Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is the go-to hub of sexual health communications resources, specifically for people navigating herpes stigma. As you know, in 2017, this podcast itself started as a suicide prevention awareness resource for people living with herpes, just because there were so many people at the time in the support groups and on the dating sites that I found who were openly expressing suicide ideation after their diagnosis. Over the years, as you know, we have consistently said here that sexual health is mental health, meaning that one's sexuality is so interconnected with their identity that the diagnosis of something like herpes impacting their sexuality does not exclusively affect that, but it affects the whole person. And so what this podcast is, is it just offers some sort of therapeutic listening, almost like you're sitting in on a support group or conversation of people just talking about living with this virus in a way that you may not have ever heard before or considered as a possibility for yourself. So that's essentially what the podcast is. As a nonprofit, I advocate for the integration of people's lived experiences and communication skills that they've developed to be integrated into sex education resources because a lot of these communication skills have nothing to do with sex. When we think sex education, we think intercourse education. But again, like we're learning here, sexuality and identity, these are not mutually exclusive and i hope i use mutually exclusive correct so yeah if i didn't what i mean by that is your identity is not exclusively your sexuality and that or your ability to perform intercourse i guess um, when we talk about sex and sexuality we're talking about the more broad terms of that we're talking about a person's overall well-being in relation to how they connect with people intimately and a lot of this does include things like consent boundaries honoring healthy relationship and um relationship acts i guess i would say uh being able to seek out support in the event that there are consent violations as well as um, being accountable self-accountable as well as accountable for the people in your circle in your network in your community couple quick announcements before we get the podcast started if you have not already taken a 2023 hsv survey please go to something positive for positive people's website spfpp.org click on the survey tab and you will be able to fill that in we are collecting this information which will help me with creating these presentations going to these spaces and offering additional perspective on what it means for people to navigate herpes stigma organizations right now are really looking at herpes and trying to understand the community, probably because some big pharmaceutical company recognized that there's a potentiality of increasing Valtrex sales and they wanna like throw money at the community, get some information and decide the best way to go about that. So um, <laughs> help me get some of that money <laughs> by sharing y'all surveys and information but ultimately you know the intention behind that obviously they want to make more money and obviously I'm trying to get people to not buy into their methods of making more money so there's a little bit of a conflict there but you know if you want to solve any problem you kind of have to be a part of it in a way in order to understand it and be able to dismantle it from the inside so this is a hostile takeover for the pharmaceutical companies hopefully nobody at the organization hears that but y'all hear it y'all know me y'all know what i mean and 
Yeah, unless they like put me on payroll or something, y'all go hear the production of this podcast change. I'm gonna start talking about shit that ain't got nothing to do with herpes. Y'all gonna be like, man, Courtney done changed up on us. You damn right. No, I'm just playing. I wouldn't do that. Um, but no, seriously, please take the survey uh, if you get the chance to. This podcast, I mean, I don't know how I've been doing this for as long as I have, to be completely honest. I go to donations don't be coming in like y'all might think they do. Like as of recent, uh, grants have become available. I want to shout out to the Love and Action Fund for giving something positive for positive people $50,000. That was amazing. We've been able to just kind of keep things as they are without me having to stress about not being able to do things that I need to do for myself, which the consistency is my metric for success for something positive. So we're going into our seventh year as a podcast and it'll have been five years as a nonprofit in 2024 and save this date may 23rd 2024 this is going to be the first ever virtual something positive for positive people conference where i will present the survey findings from what y'all are sending in as well as offer some uh disclosure resources and uh tools for people to uh, if you're in, in the healthcare field, give to your patients or clients. I will be selling tickets at some point. I'm probably going to do like early ticket sales. I don't know how much these are going to be. I got to look at the cost of the software and managing that. And I got to pay people to help me with it. And I also got to pay other presenters to present things that I found to be useful to me as I was navigating stigma and I want to pass that on to you. So there will be something for people living with herpes, partners of people who are living with herpes, as well as public health professionals, therapists, and um, anyone who might be even a nurse. You know, if you're someone who diagnoses someone with herpes, I am going to also pursue being able to get people continuing education credits. Uh, I don't know what that process is. I have a meeting coming up with one of my board members that we will have had by the time this podcast episode releases. So um, hopefully I have an update soon, but mark your calendar, May 23rd, 2024, five-year anniversary of something positive for positive people as a nonprofit. That's the, I looked at the form I got from the IRS. That was its birthday, like when it got the birth certificate. So I think that's like the best way to word it. All right. These are my announcements as well as Get on Patreon, join the support group. Like uh, I'm driving people into the support groups that are on Mondays at one or uh, on every Monday at 6 p.m. Pacific time. As of now, this will change in the future, I'm sure. But if you visit the website and you go to the events tab, you'll be able to keep up with when these events are. All right, these are all of my announcements. Those are the three main things I got going on. Survey, conference, support groups. My guest today is not Wednesday, but Tuesday, <laughs> all right? And Tuesday, I am going to, because I've already talked so much and I'm sure people are tired of hearing my voice, balance it out by letting you introduce yourself. However right. you want to be introduced. <laughs> and you, you've done podcasting before, so yeah, you, you got this. I trust you. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, really wanted to interject with a joke about how you were going to start selling Casper mas mattresses, but I didn't. Um, they got to pay for that. Even <laughs> if it's a joke, they got to pay for it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, hi, I'm Tuesday. And you switch your voice up like that? <laughs> That's my podcasting voice. Um, let's see, I'm 36 years old, and um, I have had 
herpes, a herpes diagnosis. I've had herpes um, for over 10 years, as far as I know. So I'm gonna go through the story of how I learned that. And then I'm gonna go through the story about how you helped me. Um, inadvertently, you didn't know at the time. Um, <laughs> so when I was younger, uh, I was living in Seattle and um, very sexually active. I, I, what is very sexually active? Okay, mean? so I lost my virginity when I was 21. I was a late bloomer. And y'all some freaks. I got an ex who lost her virginity at like 21. And yeah, yeah no, I'm making was, up for lost time, right? Yes, she did. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I would say very sexually active is like two to three partners, like at one time, like seeing multiple people at the same time. Um, like in the same sitting, we gotta be more specific. No, right. uh, <laughs> separate times. Got it. Right. Um, I would like to say that my dance card was full, right? Um, and so I did the responsible thing, and I got an STI test, and I went to my naturopath to do it, and um, she did a blood draw for the herpes test, and what was I like? 23, 22, 23. Um, so. Things came back positive. HPV came back positive, and um, herpes, uh, HSV one, HSV one, genital herpes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So it, one or two can be genital. Uh -huh. It's most common that type two is genital, but what Thank we're you. seeing lately is that HSV one genitally is on the rise. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So more people who grow up getting cold sores are actively eating and licking genitals uh -huh. and passing it on that way. Okay. So I came back positive for HSV2. Um, and at the time, you know, I had a great naturopath and, um, I mean, I was, I felt devastated, right? Like internalized, um, my sex life is over, you know, I'm, I'm dirty is, I remember the prominent feeling. Um, and my naturopath at the time, like called me a week later, just to like check in on me with the diagnosis. She was like, are you okay? Are you going to be okay? And for that week I had been like terribly depressed and I was like, just having her check in on me, honestly, got me a step out of that depression. So years go by, right? I get regularly tested. What's regularly tested? Like twice a year because there is a period of time where I'm not sleeping with a lot of people. I have singular partners. We get tested regularly. We use protection. What do you mean protection? Condom. Thank you. Because yes. when people say that word to me, I go, when, because uh, I do these like scenarios with med students and yeah. when they go through the sexual history and they go, are you using protection during sex? And I go, do you mean, do I carry my gun on me while I have uh -huh, sex? Uh -huh. So when we talk about protection, I like to just interject a little bit and yes. let's use like barriers or condoms yes. or dental dams, which I'm finding that nobody likes to use. <laughs> I can't tell you, I don't think I've ever seen a dental dam in my life. If you would like, you can take one and you can use it. I have some Thank here. Thank you. Yeah, you try it out, <laughs> see how you like it. But the, the times that I've used it, uh -huh. uh, I had one partner be like, you want me to put a condom on your dick? I was like, no. He's like, and I was like, all right, I'll get rid of it. <laughs> and then um, there is a partner that I've had 
who only uses condoms for oral. Mm-hmm. Super respected. Yeah. Um, so anytime I want to go down on her, I have dental dams. And I want to thank uh, the, well, she no longer has an account, but positive results. Ray had made dental dams a thing to me. Mm-hmm. So she sent me some and I had them. They might even have been expired. That's mm-hmm. how long they just yeah, been yeah, chilling. Yeah. But they worked. For that situation, just being with someone who likes to use yes. condoms for everything. Yes. Yeah. So, so is it calling out the actual like product, like what it is, instead of using the word protection? Is it saying condom, dental dam? You can just say barrier. barrier. Yeah, because yeah. when we use protection, it it implies that there's a threat or <gasps> that there's harm. Yeah. Right. Herpes isn't something that is threatening. Yeah. It's not something that's harmful. You as a person aren't harmful or threatening because you have herpes, right? Right. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you very much. Hmm? I appreciate that. So, years go by. Um, getting regularly tested. And I did not clock that no one was testing me for herpes because it's a blood draw, right? I just, when I got my future HPV tests and it cleared up, in my head, I conflated it and I decided that that herpes diagnosis was a false positive. Cause I was like, oh, well it cleared up. Like I just, like I don't know how this happened in my head, but that was, the story that I came up with, right? So it's like a decade after that. And my now husband. Congratulations, because um, this is recent. It's, yes, it's, yes, it's recent. <laughs> um, thank you. Um, he asked me, he was like, hey, do you mind getting like a herpes test again? And I was like, yeah, of course. You know, um, how long ago was this? This was over a year ago. Okay. So this was not this past April, but the April before 2022, 2022. Um, so I went and got my blood drawn and I did the entire panel, um, gonorrhea, chlamydia, everything. And HSV2 came back positive and I was shocked all over again. I was like, oh my God, I had, I, I feel like I've been irresponsible. I feel like I've been um, of harm uh, because I wasn't disclosing because I really just didn't know because I think, you know, looking into it, like no nurse or Planned Parenthood person asked me about the herpes test. And like it had been so long since I had actively asked for it. So that sent me into a whole new depression, right? So it was like, oh my God, I have herpes and I feel like I've been lying to people, you know? Um, And so in that time, um, when I found out, you know, I had to disclose to obviously my now husband and our partners um, because we are polyamorous. Our partners, shared partners, or partners separately? Shared partners and separate partners. Okay. Um, 
So there were only a couple of folks that we saw together. And then there are a couple of folks that I was seeing by myself. And um, then there were people that he was just seeing by himself. And so we disclosed to the entire network of people. Without interrupting your story. Yes. Can I ask how that went for you? Disclosing? To so many people and like having to secondarily disclose. Uh-huh. So he hadn't tested positive, right? Mm-mm. But he needed to tell his other partners that, hey, my wife has HSV yes. too. Yes. Okay. I'd like to hear about that. Mm-hmm. And then I want to know if you think that there would have been a difference in response between you sharing HSV2 or HSV1. Mm. Okay. So how it was to disclose and secondarily disclose. Yes. Okay. Um, when I had to do it to my partners, I, I was scared, obviously, you know, I think we all fear rejection. Um, what kind of relationships were these? Were these long term? Were these hookups? These were, I mean, were you in relationships with these people? Yes. Okay. Um, anybody we disclosed to were people that we did not just like randomly hook up with and never texted again. Um, these are people that we regularly see or at the time we were seeing, um, I would say for almost over a year, like good, solid people that were a part of our network. So I disclosed to like my partner outside of my marriage and I was scared to do it. And how long did it take you? Uh, maybe half an hour. Like I did it like really, cause I just needed to rip that bandaid off. Okay. Right. Like I, I think I maybe took a walk and then was just like, all right, I just need to do this. Text message. Signal message. Okay. <laughs> but yes, text. Um, and he was incredibly supportive you really drew out that moment of silence where i thought you were about to say (laughs) something different than no supportive no um i was very honest with him i was like i really didn't know that i had this i've never had an outbreak as far as i know um i don't remember an outbreak in my early 20s or anywhere in my 20s um i don't remember getting very sick and having like flu-like symptoms Um, and my husband and I have been having unprotected sex for six years and he is not tested positive. Unburied. Sorry. Unburied. (laughs) That's going to take a while for me, Uh, but I appreciate it. It's all right. We're we're learning here. Yes. All right. I'd get shit later if I didn't say something now. Well, you have to say that. I I mean, you know, I appreciate it. Um, so unbarriered sex for six years and he is not tested positive for it um and i want to plug a statistic here so if you look at something positive for positive people and you go to the data tab there's a survey that i ask people um has a partner consented to unbarriered sex with you since your diagnosis 70 something percent of people said yes Mm. another question that was a follow-up is have you passed herpes on to a partner 
as far as you know mm-hmm. and 70 something percent of people said no mm-hmm. and that to me for you to have had sex with this partner without sex with this partner without barriers for six years and to have not had him show symptoms or test positive that is information i am much more interested in Mm -hmm. than how do we reduce the transmission rates Mm -hmm. are you on antivirals daily no and that's that's what i like try and emphasize this is where pharmaceutical sales go down or they decide not to give me money because you know i tell people even taking the medication can be a stressor, mm-hmm. right? Even if you take it daily to alleviate the anxiety of a partner, bringing the risk down from 6% to 3%, like what does that really mean right. to lower the percentage and not eliminate the percentage? You want to decrease your likelihood of shedding the virus yeah. um, and you want to keep your immune system up between you and your partner to minimize the possibility of this passing it on to said partner. So... For you not wearing barriers, not um, using antivirals and sharing that, I very much appreciate it because I think that that is the kind of experience that people need to hear Mm -hmm. sort of elaborated on so that they can understand that one time having sex with someone who doesn't have herpes is not going to be what gives them symptoms or makes them test positive for it. And that's what people are so deathly afraid of. They're mm-hmm. like, I never want to do this to somebody. And here you are six years and you had a diagnosis way long ago. And you just found out that it's actually there and positive. And six years have gone by where herpes was not relevant. And now it's relevant and you have the security of the relationship. Flip that. If you were to have told him early on, you probably would have tried to jump on antivirals, mm-hmm. worn condoms every time, and mm-hmm. the relationship would have been different based on the prioritization that you may have given herpes mm-hmm. versus the relationship. And who knows how things would have turned out. So here we are on this path of herpes being irrelevant. You prioritize the relationship until herpes comes up. Mm-hmm. Here we are. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other way, if you prioritize herpes, who knows if this person would have even gotten as close to you mm-hmm. uh, as he has. Yeah. So thank you. That's really interesting. Um, I also want to ask a question about antivirals and like financial barriers. Like I like I have health insurance, and so I don't know if it's like pharmaceuticals are jacking up the prices of antivirals because they're not selling well or they are selling well. Is there anything about that? I don't know anything specifically. It's just I heard in passing. Uh-huh. I should know this. But there's a pharmaceutical company, uh, Roche, I guess. I don't yep. know. Oh, are these like the bad guys in the video game that's like behind some conspiracy <laughs> theory type shit? Because like, I, I think about this when I play video games. I'm like, yo, this is very real. Uh-huh. Like the storyline to the Spider-Man, Miles Morales thing. There was like this tech company that was doing all this good they were making these robots to like help people mm-hmm. kind of like with robocop like every movie has like a company Love that RoboCop. on the surface <laughs> is doing so much good yes. with their technology but then you go behind the scenes and you see that they're actually working on something for the military right i think that company was pretty <laughs> evil from the beginning sitting they you know shot up their boardroom but yes go on <laughs> <laughs> exactly so we're, we're on the same page about yes this. but um, in passing, learning that Roche was responsible for putting out this, uh, putting money out there to mm-hmm. organizations to talk about, learn about, and put money into herpes and herpes stigma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's 
that yeah yes i don't know mm -hmm. specifically what they're going to do but they're getting the information perhaps to see where the opportunities are yeah because my solution to herpes stigma is get one test that says positive or negative mm -hmm. and have people be tested for it annually unless they already know whether or not they have it yeah so then you have more people who are aware of what their status is and i think that this minimizes the threshold of uh intolerance because the older you get without getting herpes or even having a conversation with somebody mm -hmm. about herpes or knowing someone with herpes the more devastating it is going to be because it's like how is it that all this time i've never interacted with someone like this and now all of a sudden it's happening yeah. because i'm seeing with the younger people when they're exposed mm -hmm. i don't know if it's like the accessibility of information that's out there and the fact that we have social media where people can find people who might look like them who are living a mm -hmm. normal life with herpes and they can deep dive and just binge consume information that is going to be helpful to them. Yeah. But com combining all of these factors, I think there is something to be said uh, for our younger people who mm -hmm. are finding themselves having conversations or exposed to herpes or having their own experience with it uh, compared to someone who much later in life is like, how could this have happened? Mm -hmm. Now my sex life is over. My sex life never looked the way that it's now going to have to mm -hmm. look moving forward. Mm -hmm. So a consistent test that says yes or no to having herpes, that solves the issue. Mm -hmm. But with pharmaceutical companies, I can see, you know, them coming out with a medication that says, oh, less than 1% yeah. chance of passing it on. Yes. But then we still get all of these side effects that are on the table. And I, I don't know. I don't know what their plan is. Yeah. But. It's not for us to I'm know. I'm stopping it. I'm pretty sure it's, it's you know probably nefarious could you know but... it's never it's never really good for mm -mm. us no. maybe something that like makes it easier to shed and actually pass on to somebody so more people get it and more <laughs> i want to get conspiratorial take, yeah right <laughs> <laughs> um i do think like as far as young people and their exposure to information and their ability to binge and consume it i think about like when i was first di first diagnosed and i was like 22 23 right um, the world was different then, <laughs> and, um, accessibility of information was different. And just the fact that I had my naturopath call me, like, I, I, I look back on that with such gratitude because, um, hasn't happened since I've never had a naturopath, like, or a, a doctor follow up and just check in to see how I was doing. But I'm sure that she was educated in, in, um, or at least aware of stigma being a precursor to suicidal ideation, um, or a diagnosis being precursor to suicidal ideation. Um, so I just, I don't know. I, I think about, um, young people today and yes, their ability to consume information and get information and like, see people who look like them and probably feel a little bit more like checked in on and, and, um, comfortable or at least not alone. Mm -hmm. And that's part of where you come in. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned disclosing to the one partner. Yes. And did all of your disclosures just go well? They did. How they many, really if you're did. comfortable sharing, giving a numbers range, how mm -hmm. many people did you disclose to in this short period of time? 
Sorry, I'm counting. And out of six disclosures of people that you've had, what's the newest relationship and longest relationship? Um, longest was about, I think, a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and newest was about three months. Okay. And the newest was um, like a metamor of mine, basically. Okay. And metamor um, being a partner's partner. A partner's partner, yes. Um, so one of my husband's partners. And three of the six um, reached out to me personally, my personal partner and then two metamors. And these are all people you directly disclosed to? So two of them my husband disclosed to, one of them I disclosed to directly, who can't, who, um, I, I mean, the reception was so positive as far as like, I hear you and you're good. You know, this does not change anything for me Um, with my partner. I still want to have sex with you. I still, like, he went as far to say, like, you know, I'm still attracted to you. This doesn't, you know, change that for me. Um, And then three people um, sent me resources. So they sent me, you know, like, blogs and Instagrams and um, someone, I can't remember who it was, sent me a podcast that you were on. And so then I learned about something positive for positive people. And um, that was huge for me because it was just like, it was just, I, one, love the name. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> you know, I've gotten in trouble a few times where people are like, I'm a positive person, like thinking their attitude is positive. And I'm like, you have no idea what this is, do you? Uh-huh. <laughs> She's like, oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> one lady's like, oh gosh, I'm sorry, no. <laughs> She's so sweet. Aww. Um, so I listened to you. I wish I wish I could remember what the episode was. I tried to this like. This podcast will kill you. I don't think that's it. Oh really? No. That's like the biggest one that people would find me on. Um, I know of that one. Okay. I've been afraid to listen to it. Um, yeah. this one was a sex educator who had a podcast. I was going to look back in my signal, but there's so many. You don't have to. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There was so many. If it's a sex educator, is this um, non-monogamy type podcast or just sex educator? No, sex. Sex Ed with DB. There's that one. Mm -hmm. There's also, um, there's actually a lot more that I've been on than I can think of. Uh, Alchemy-ish. It's it's alchemy. It's wordplay on alchemy. Mm -hmm. That's one of the... Sex Educator Podcast. Sex with Dr. Jess. Might have been that one. Jess O'Reilly and, and Brandon. It might have been that. I'm not sure. That that has to... That's like the most... Yeah. <laughs> that, that's it. I think that, that was most probably, likely yes. to be it. Okay. Yes. Um, let's say it's that one because it's likely is that one. Okay. Um, so I got to listen to that and um, hear about your work. And... Um, it just, it, it, this is why when we first met, I was like, you don't know how much you helped me. Like, it really just made me feel seen and heard in a way that, like, I didn't realize the depths that I could dive to with this. Um, I'm already predisposed to anxiety and depression. I'm medicated for depression. Um, and I've 
worked in various arenas of my life to combat that depression. Um, and this was something that I wasn't expecting. And, um, suicidal ideation has like been a part of my story, not the part of my story. It's more of an escapist of fantasy than a suicidal ideation, but still, um, there's threads of that. And I was just so grateful for you and your work. And, um, can I talk about how we met? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so when we matched on field, like, I was like, oh my God, I know who this, I know who he is. <laughs> and I really want to tell him just how much his work means to me. And, and, um, and for the record, this was, how long ago was this? That we matched? Yeah. Oh God. Okay. Because I, I, I didn't know if it was the second time. So the first time, I hadn't been diagnosed yet. That's how long ago it was. The second time, I because when you came up on the podcast, I was like, okay, that's cool. And then I looked up like something positive for positive people. Um, and I was like, I think I know that guy. Because <laughs> he told me he had a, not, he had a nonprofit. Um, so it was the second time that I got to like, you know, tell you like, Oh, so, you know. so this is even more interesting now because hmm. it happened so long ago. Or what happened? We matched so long ago mm-hmm. that this hadn't happened yet or Correct. been a thing. And then the second time coming around was when it was a thing. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so since then, uh, I've had another metamor somewhat metamor um a person in our polycule also get diagnosed um with hsv2 and from you or no Mm-mm. oh and they know this yes okay yeah um and they experience the same thing right like shock and some depression and like i i didn't have any symptoms i don't understand i don't know how long i've had this did they come straight to you and talk to you about it because they knew mm-hmm. okay yeah and so i was able to share your work with them and um i mean what a gift right to just like point to a, like hey here's this very specific nonprofit nonprofit that's doing a very specific service <laughs> and it's for you here you go. Oh, thank you. So I got to do that. It's always a good time to hear things like this because I'm always like, maybe I should do more blank because it, you know, I don't hear this like as consistently as people might think, mm-hmm. you know, I know impacts are being made, but it's like on a micro level to the point where nothing's happening enough for something positive to be like what people imagine it is in their mm-hmm. heads. Mm-hmm. You know, like I use this example of the American Red Cross as a nonprofit. Somebody's house burns down, they get put into a new house, they're like, oh my God, the American Red Cross, I'm telling everybody, American Red Cross did this for me, I lost everything and mm-hmm. now I have it. Ain't nobody saying, yeah, I got herpes, I wanted to kill myself, I came across this podcast and talked to this person and it helped him. It mm-hmm. helped me so much, I'm married now, I have a family, mm-hmm. everything's great. There are no problems in my life right now. That was so insignificant. Kind of just get ignored. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but 
hearing this and things like it, I mean, for every however many times something like that might happen, mm. you know, the one time I hear things like this, I think it uh, gives me a little bit of a boost of, it's not motivation, because I feel like I can't not do this. Yeah. Like, I don't need motivation to do what I'm doing. Like, yeah. this at this point is constant. But it makes me more so see the value of the consistency mm-hmm. more so than like making this more of a thing mm-hmm. like I, every time I try and do an event or get studio space or mm-hmm. like a host like try and do what other podcasts are doing mm-hmm. it doesn't work out mm-hmm. even I tried to get studio <laughs> I tried to rent out a studio space and this was it will have been the most recent podcast episode where I talk about this a little bit. But I had a very like well-known podcast guest who just so happened to be in Portland. Uh-huh. And so I booked studio space for this time period. I confirmed, I gave them money, and I get there 30 minutes early. No one's there. I call, mm-hmm. and someone answers the phone. And they're like, someone will be there at 5 o'clock. I was like, my time that I booked was from at five o'clock and I needed it for two hours. Yeah. I was like, all right. And they make you book two hours. Yeah. So I'm thinking I'm going to come in a little early, see the space set up. And then like clock starts five or five rolls around. My podcast guest arrives five, 10 rolls around. And I'm, I'm calling these people every five minutes. No one's answering the phone. Now. Oh my God. So I'm like, I'm furious, yes. <laughs> but I can't be furious in front of my podcast guests. This is, again, this is like a relationship. How yes. I express myself is going to, you know, determine how they view me. So 525 rolls around and she and I just come back here and do it exactly where we're recording now. Yeah. We just came back here and did it. But like I had plans to do video uh-huh. and like the lighting in here is terrible so video is not great people uh-huh. can watch that podcast interview actually on patreon www.spfpp.org slash patreon if you want to see the live podcast or behind the scenes footage actually the behind the scenes is on patreon you can watch the podcast live at spfpp.org slash podcast and go to that episode specifically um but yeah, I'll I'll try and do things like that and some weird off the wall like universe blocks just happen and then this happens. Yes. So I think that that just means like this is supposed to be like a cool underground thing that not too many people know about uh-huh. because that like keeps the quality what it is. I do believe that if I do get too big, like I said earlier, you think I'm playing, like, I don't think anyone is immune to changing up when Mm -hmm. they get a lot of money or when circumstances change significantly. Mm -hmm. Like, if I had to maintain an image, go to a podcast studio, do videos, chop those videos up into shorts and reels and TikTok videos, I would be a different person. So I think that I'm supposed to record podcasts on my phone. (laughs) <laughs> and real like janky like this is the most ghetto ass setup y'all i'm telling you all my podcast interviews i remember i was using microphones for a while uh-huh. and for a while people were saying hey i can't hear you i can't hear you i've turned the volume up and these are expensive ass microphones yeah. but then like i stopped using the microphone. i don't know what you did differently but this sounds so much clearer now you sound great whatever you're using keep doing it and it's my cell phone <laughs> just right, like propped up on a ring light. Yes. Hidden record button. <laughs> that makes me regret buying the podcast mics that we did. <laughs> I mean, if you go, listen, get your use out of them. I know. Yeah. Right. Um, but I also think like the homegrown quality of not only the podcast, but um, 
the nonprofit. Not that the nonprofit is necessarily homegrown because your website is slick. I um, spent very. I spent my own money for that. It, it looks good. It <laughs> looks good. Shout out to my designer. Thank you, Jenny. I've been getting a lot of compliments on it, and more people have been using it too. Yeah. Like I'm so happy about yes. that. Yes. Oh, it's fantastic. Um. But because of the personal nature of the work that you do, um, and the vulnerable nature of the work that you do, and how it gets to like the very core of people's um, identity and feelings about their identity. Um, the homegrown nature of it kind of lends itself to being able to share it with other people. Right. Or like being, feeling welcomed into it. I think that's really like you're accessible. This podcast is accessible. The website is accessible because the information needs to be accessible. So I think you're doing a great job. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> but I also, I mean, I've, I've definitely run into situations in my life where I'm trying to make something happen and it feels like I'm, you know, pushing up against the wall and things aren't happening and I get real mad about it and then I let go. And not to get, like, woo-woo about it. I do it every week. <laughs> okay. Um, but You did a thing to your neck and face. You all right? Huh? Are you allergic to something? Like, you just started turning, like, real red all right here. Oh, right. no. All right. I think I'm good. Okay. Can we cut that out, too? Because oh. now I'm going to blush, and I'm going to be embarrassed. Oh, my God. No, what? We're not watching it. We can keep that oh. in there. Okay. <laughs> Don't um, make me remember too many things, because there's something to get. Something to fall through the cracks. You're right. Okay. <laughs> um, so, I... What was I saying? Oh, okay. Not to get too woo-woo. Um... But I was trying to move to Portland for like a year, right? Or like nine months, right? And nothing was happening and nothing was like working out and things that kept thinking, like they kept seeming to line up, just didn't line up. Um, And I was traveling a little bit and ended up in Colorado for a wedding for my cousin. My aunt was there and she's talking to me and she's like, well, what you're in now is the fertile void. And I was like, excuse me, what does that mean? And she was like, things are happening, but you're not privy to them happening yet. So while you're, you know, moving forward and doing what you're doing, things are happening over here. And then as soon as it's ready, it will be ready and it will come to fruition. So I think that like, I don't know, ever since then, I've just really paid attention to like what doesn't work. Right. And trying not to force things and things have seemed to work out. Wow. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, so how did your partner disclose for you? before I move on. Oh, right. Um, I mean, over text messages, yeah, that, like, he texted. And was it just like, hey, my wife has mm-hmm. HSV2. Yes. Y'all good? Yep. Yeah. And everyone was thumbs up. Cool. Yeah. And I often tell people, we expect rejection when sharing our status with people. Um, but so much of this is, does this person, is this person attracted to me? Mm-hmm. Right. Like if we have a relationship, you know, I'm more attracted to you than I am afraid of getting herpes. Right. Yes. And if a person is more afraid of getting herpes than they are being with you, then they're just not that attracted to you. Because otherwise people with herpes wouldn't be having sex if that were the case where everyone yeah. was afraid of getting herpes. Yes. So we have to 
sit with the possibility that just maybe we ain't as attractive as we think we are to said <laughs> person, right? And that might be a little bit difficult to hear, but it's it's real. You know, yeah. if I have a one-on-one conversation with people, like, I'll be real with people. Like, you know, do you find yourself to be attractive? Like, why is it so important that you receive acceptance for your herpes diagnosis from mm-hmm. another person? Whereas, like, one, you may not even have accepted this part of yourself. And I've lately been telling people it's not as important that you accept your herpes diagnosis as it is that you accept yourself in its entirety to where we reduce the need for accepting our herpes diagnosis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because so more of it is like all of those people looked at the relationship. They looked at the relationship to you. They looked at who you are as a person and they went this versus herpes. All right. Yeah. Screw herpes. Like whatever. Yeah. This is more important to me. I didn't, I didn't think about it that way. Thank you for framing it that way. Um, I think I thought of it as like them extending grace. Oh you know, shit. Which, like feeling sorry for you. Like, Oh, poor thing. We'll, we'll still, we'll still have sex with you. I mean, <laughs> um, I don't know so much pity as much as like, wow, they're really great people for accepting this. You know, which I do think like it says so much more about you as a person yeah. than it does them as people and your ability to select partners. Now we can look at this from any angle, mm-hmm. but perspective wise, if we're looking at this from an internal perspective, how you are as a person, who you are as a person to them, mm-hmm. again, like you've drawn in these people who like see that and mm-hmm. like that. They like how you make them feel. They like themselves around you enough to want to stay around you despite what might come with sticking around mm-hmm. after hanging around with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Yes. And I think since then, disclosing to new partners, obviously it gets easier mm-hmm. every time. Um, and honestly, it's the same response. Thanks for telling me. Cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's really like it's, it's, I think getting over that like first time is like, you know. And also, I want to point this out. So, I'm, are all of your partners some form of queer, non-monogamous? Yes. Okay. So, I have to just make this acknowledgement that I have found that there is much more acceptance within queer communities, non-monogamous yeah. spaces as well yes. than there is in the heterosexual vanilla world and the monogamous world. And this is not to say that any is better than the other. I'm not saying everybody with herpes should be non-monogamous and queer. What I'm saying is that this is a space where generally more vulnerable connections and conversations are occurring Mm -hmm. to where we're talking about our identities we're talking about how people see us Mm -hmm. we're expressing ourselves you know in an alternative or out of the norm way and when people can just be real and expressive about themselves like that if you're attracted to that you're attracted to that Mm -hmm. and it prioritizes not this idea of being clean or pure it's vulnerability is messy and it's sometimes gross and it's ugly you know who can you be the ugliest version of yourself around Mm -hmm. the rawest version of yourself around without having to wear that like mask of perfection 
that's so prevalent in queer spaces and I'm a straight man and like find myself like in queer community I date queer women and this has been like oh it's cool that y'all do things the way y'all do like I wish I could like indulge in that but my way of doing things you know it I I see the queer consistencies Mm -hmm. I would say versus more of the non-queer consistencies where there is like this discomfort with rawness vulnerability and Mm -hmm. emotional expression and even just talking about sex and being like yeah you know I do have sex and this is and it's like shut down oh Mm -hmm. whoa whoa why are you talking about sex yeah why are we not in a relationship having sex like the things that might happen in queer spaces are happening more consciously than in um, heterosexual monogamous places where it's happening more under the radar Mm -hmm. unconsciously. And I'm not saying this like any one thing is bad, but I know like my communication style with queer women is completely different than it is with like uh, monogamous heterosexual women Mm -hmm. just from oh, how do you like to be touched? How do you like to have sex? And it's like, why are you asking me these questions? Whereas in the queer community, it's like, thank you for asking me these questions. Yes. So I wanted to just make note of that in that where you find, like there's this connectedness of vulnerability because when we do offer a disclosure, we're extending an invitation for vulnerability generally in your more monogamous or vanilla spaces that you might be in in order to survive this vanilla dating world that we're in you have to have a level of avoidance Mm -hmm. and when someone extends an invitation for you to be vulnerable that makes them now have to think what happens if I get herpes what does my future look like how do I and even getting to that point is so anxiety inducing because they haven't had to think about that before Mm -hmm. it's just been yeah we're playing this game we're dating we're not really talking about things we're bouncing around doing what we do and then you might be the first person who sparks that thought in them Mm -hmm. and so it, it sucks that that's often what it is and Mm -hmm. then people experience rejection because of that Mm -hmm. Uh, but we got to look at it as not being about the herpes but more so it being about the person's emotional understanding awareness availability and willingness to go there and have those thoughts and that discomfort within themselves Mm -hmm. that's all I think that that is it's a it's a perspective I didn't even consider because I feel like very I saw your eyes when I asked if all your partners were queer yeah (laughs) well it's like I mean I feel so entrenched in that world and and having to do this um disclosure with multiple people like who the non-monogamous I think culture necessitates a level of vulnerability and knowing Um, what you want and bringing that to the table, right? Like those are the conversations that people are having. Um, I think also there's not necessarily an end goal. The difference that I see between like heteronormative dating culture and non-monogamous culture is I think you do have to um, present a level of perfection and cleanliness, cleanness, purity, um, because that end goal is probably marriage and kids, right? Like not to be general, but that's probably it, right? I still see some um, expression of like the word clean 
um, in non-monogamous circles on non-monogamous dating apps. Like, I think people say, like, tested regularly and clean. And, like, that word kind of makes me feel not great. <laughs> well, with finding something positive for positive, people could put more time into being in these spaces where people who don't have herpes will be exposed to an understanding of knowledge and information and language that will allow for them to show up as better allies and encourage people to disclose. Because when people see that, that makes them not want to disclose and yeah. they'll still have sex with these people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, like, I don't know. I... It's not going to be like one or the other, right? Not one community is not necessarily better than the other. It's just that one just happens to be a little bit more versed in vulnerability and a little more like needing to know exactly what you want so you can bring it to the table and you can have the conversation. Um, and I've just happened to be very now practiced in disclosing this doc this diagnosis um, and being very upfront and real about what I want, right? Like, and thank goodness for that. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, I know we're coming to the end of the podcast recording. Uh, I want to ask you, is there anything that you wanted to share that you didn't get a chance to share? Because mm. honestly, I thought you had a much like longer story when you were like, I want to tell you my story. Oh. Right? <laughs> I was like, all right, we'll do a podcast. No. All right. <laughs> no, I think I'm pretty good at succinctly telling a story. Well, that was very good, and I'm glad that we got as much as we did get mm -hmm. out of this. I appreciate it. Um, I have to ask this question because I think other people would want to know, too. Mm -hmm. So, we matched a year ago prior to you having herpes. I do not know, because I play around with this a lot, whether I have herpes in my profile or not versus having what I do for work in my yeah. profile or not. Do you know if I had it in my profile when you matched the first time? You didn't. Okay. You had... Did we have a conversation about it when we matched the first time? We didn't have a conversation about herpes. Mm -hmm. We had a conversation about your nonprofit and talking about um, sex education. And I think you mentioned the word consent, I think. Um, but the word herpes did not come up oh, the first time. Okay. Yeah. So that point of time comes, and then we're in communication. I don't know what happened. Why? I think it was stop. like still the pandemic and I was like okay not into actually meeting people uh -huh. oh so you just on our wasting time yeah that's <laughs> it. I was wasting your time all right thank you for telling me that all right because I'm always I have these thoughts about like being on the dating apps and then having my status in my profile mm -hmm. drawing in people who also have it and i wonder are we only matching because we both have herpes and this mm -hmm. is easy versus like oh what kind of response will i get if it's not in my profile and i have to like go through the process of disclosing because there's kind of a there's a confidence that comes to when it's in my profile mm -hmm. and people like swipe on it yeah but then there's this oh, you must have it too and you saw that and mm -hmm. we matched type thing um do you but, have it in there now i do yeah mm -hmm. i okay. have it in there now um and this is yeah this is feel yes actually yeah because i don't i think this is the only one that i have now i deleted the rest of them i'm on so positive singles and i have um like my herpes survey in there mm -hmm. i think i need to put my herpes survey on on feel you should do it <laughs> yeah you should i'm do gonna it. do it yeah um 
because yeah, they, that's one of my priorities. Priorities are survey, conference, book, support groups. Ooh, I said three priorities and name four. What's um, the book? Yeah, something positive for positive people book. Uh-huh. Uh, I finished the first draft. I had to do oh. some writing assignments from my editor, who is also Jenny. Shout out to Jenny. Website, editing, publishing, graphic design, whatever else you need. <laughs> she redid the something positive <laughs> logo, all that. Um, it's okay. <laughs> uh, so the book is essentially like the podcast has 300 and roughly 30 podcast episodes Mm -hmm. weekly interviews episodes recordings over the last almost seven years and that's a lot of information that's a lot of content i hope that with the book it condenses what the most important things are the things that people generally um want to consume because not everybody's a listener not everybody's in the podcast Mm -hmm. So having a book of here's what herpes is from this professional. Here is how we talk about it with this professional. Here is because everybody asked me, well, what did you do? So I, I put my own experience in there as well. And then like some of the more useful things that I found and like some of the stuff that you were kind of like, I never thought about it that way. That's in there. So nice. just some of these like perspective expanding thoughts um, and I speak on uh, some of the podcast interviews that I've done where sexual assault or child sexual assault mm-hmm. was a thing as and that um, being as a result of a similar, I don't want to say symptom, symptoms, not the right word here, but like I think that a lot of the issues that we have are related to people, youth, not being given those communication skills mm-hmm. that should be in sex education mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with sex. Yeah. Because when we think sex education, we're actually talking about intercourse education. When adults hear that yes. and they're like, you're not going to teach my kid how to have intercourse is really what they're saying. Yep. But again, the whole sexuality thing is that we're talking about uh, your even your gender. We're talking about how you experience attraction, how you may mm-hmm. uh, interact with people who you might not be sexually attracted to, mm-hmm. right? Just platonic people. There's like a code of communicating with people and behaviors that are acceptable and unacceptable and accountability, consequences and repercussions mm-hmm. that need to take place. So all of this is going into said book. Mm-hmm along with some of the information from the surveys. Like we'll have some charts in there and like elaborate on it, of course. Um, but yeah, that's what I intend for mm-hmm. this book to be. I want for it to just be a useful resource to people who yeah. might not want to listen to 300 plus podcast episodes. And why wouldn't you? Know, right? <laughs> You're reminding me that I'm, I had formal sex education twice. So I went to private elementary school had sex education in fifth grade, and then went to public middle school and had sex education again in eighth grade. None of, you know, gender identity, consent, anything like that, that was not discussed in either scenario, you know, in either arena. And I don't know many people who've taken sex education twice. It's not like I failed the first time. It's just like, it's just, you know, I just had the opportunity to take it again. Um... So I think that's really important and I'm and I'm grateful for that work that you're doing. That's very cool. 
Thank you. I appreciate mm -hmm. that. All right. Well, if you don't have anything else, I can close us out. Any last remarks? Mm, just that I'm glad that we were able to have this conversation. Um, and I was skipping around episodes and there was one um, that you were recording the intro at your kitchen table and <laughs> your oven timer was going off in the background and I was like listening to it and I said out loud like, Courtney, your meatballs. Like I was just like... <laughs> Do you know how long ago that was? So long ago, because I, I literally, it was like one, episode 116 or something like that. I was, like it was, in, I was quite in a while. my apartment. I was in my apartment. Oh, you I, remember those meatballs? meatballs? It was meatballs. It was vegan meatballs. Oh, God, I had a vegan meatball <laughs> phase. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I was trying to not eat, I was trying to not eat meat sometimes. And so I got these vegan meatballs and I like, tried different recipes with uh -huh. them and had like marinara sauce or something. I was making vegan meatball subs and mm -hmm. stuff. And yeah, I mean, the only thing about that is like the sodium in those were ridiculous. <laughs> I look back now because uh, my blood pressure has been high uh -huh. and I never thought to look at sodium because my family was always like, watch your salt, watch your salt. Mm -hmm. So I don't add salt to shit. Yeah. And so over all of these years, I'm still eating frozen pizzas, frozen meatballs and everything. Uh -huh. And these things have extremely high amounts of sodium in there. Uh -huh. So the same thing that's in salt, sodium, is also in these foods. And like now my blood pressure is more regulated because I looked and I had a food tracker app, y'all. And in the process of like watching what I eat, as in like plugging it in mm -hmm. and meeting these calorie marks, I'm eating whatever I want, hitting the marks. I just found out about two weeks ago that it shows you the nutrition facts. Mm -hmm. One of the nutrition facts being the sodium in it. A lot of these meals, I've been having like 400% of the daily recommended oh value God. of sodium. <laughs> Are you drinking like two gallons of water I a day? I drink a lot of water. Yeah. Yes. And I also sweat a lot. So I think that might be the thing that saved my life is how hard I work out and how much I drink water. Yeah. Because I don't I don't think I would have made it. Because I was eating this wing place like every day. I'd get these. Oh, like, God. Wings are so good. I, I'm going to go get something after we get finished here. Uh -huh. I don't know what. I, I saw something called Bay's Chicken up the street. Oh my God, I've seen that too. <laughs> I mean, you got somewhere to be. I don't. So. Yeah, but wings are like an alone food for me. No, 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 no. This is, this. I don't think it's just wings. Oh, yes, yes, like yeah. Bougie ass chicken and waffles. Mm -hmm. I saw, yeah. I, I need to be careful because tomorrow I'm going to get um, burn-ins and like southern comfort food where is miss delta i love miss delta i love miss delta too I'm we so sit at the excited. counter when we go oh, that's and we nice. do a crossword puzzle oh wow y'all are oh wow i'm just picturing like six of y'all at the bar at miss delta like, oh not all y'all just, <laughs> just just my husband and i that's okay thing. okay okay 
All right, that concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, share, subscribe to this podcast. Uh, Something Positive for Positive People's website has everything on there that you will probably want to ask me about. If we're looking for support groups, you can find that on the events tab. If you're looking about the conference, that'll be on the events tab. If you need the data, that's on the data tab. If you want to take the survey, survey tab. Please use the website. As you know, it is now, I, I didn't put money in it. And our guest today has acknowledged that the website is very user friendly and it's pretty and it's mm-hmm. expensive. I mug expensive. <laughs> um, you can join Patreon, patreon.com slash SPFPP if you need to have a one on one conversation with me. Um, I don't do the coaching thing and ask for money up front. I always ask at the end of the call that you consider making a donation. Some people do. Some people say they will and then don't. But hey, you know what? That's a part of the risk here because some people will donate like $1,000. Some people will give nothing. (laughs) So it all balances out, y'all. I appreciate y'all and thank y'all for being here. And uh, yeah, take that survey if you haven't already. Till next time.